0: Are there any good looking podcast
1: listeners out there tonight? Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring my 11-year-old daughter and special star co-host, Person Noob. Hello! Yeah, she's about to start middle school, but she is still person noob. It's a branding issue. I am still soccer noob because I've only been following the sport for a few years. And yet here we are making content. Episode 150 is what we're on. And to celebrate that nice round number, well, we made more content. And I guess I did something. I got to have a half a bottle of my wife's... uh, Blackberry Ale 8, if you're not familiar with Ale 8, it's a famous uh, drink from here in central Kentucky It's a, as opposed to a ginger ale, it's a ginger soda Yeah, I finished off the bottle and that's a a pretty big deal It's a rare treat that my wife would share that with me at all because they don't always make that But hey, it's episode 150, maybe that's why she gave it to me Or maybe it was just because I was going to cry I'm not telling you All right. Despite our name, we cover not only footy in America, but the whole darn world of the sport. Yeah, we're learning it all at once. Probably going to tell me, but it'll be so worth it by the time we're done. We give you match mini previews from all over the world, from the tightest league races everywhere on the planet. That means that we're going to be covering matches that a lot of shows just won't include. Uh, We also hit up all the big club and national team tournaments, too. Our week runs Friday through Thursday. This episode, that means August 25 through 31. Oh, and we have a special guest this week who actually knows a little something about soccer, helping us with our feature MLS match of the week. All right, with no further ado, let's jump in with... Match number one! No Friday matches were quite bright or shiny enough to make our main list of 10. We start our trek, therefore, on Saturday... And our world journey starts in Africa. Robert Conrad, start Continent. Yeah, I got to bring out the English major in me. And our first one is from the Champions League of Africa. They were in the first qualifying round, second leg of a home and away two-legged tie. For newer fans of the sport, I will unpack. The CAF is Africa's uh, Continental Association. The Champions League is the tournament that all the best teams from all countries all over Africa get to go to. It's a little oversimplified, but we'll get into that. Uh, the second leg of a home and away two-legged tie Instead of playing one leg And this is fairly common around the world They will play a home and away little series Add up the scores And the overall winner is who advance The top 12 rated leagues in the CAF They get to send two teams each All the other nations are only able to send one 13 countries didn't send anybody at all The top 12 rated teams, they will bypass the first qualifying round and get to start in the second and final of the two qualifying rounds. The matchup we have chosen to look at this particular week, Power Dynamos out of Zambia versus African Stars from Namibia, in part chosen because African Stars, in a bid to pull an upset here, they they won their home part of the two-legged tie, two to one at their place. Can they make it hold up? One goal seems thin when you're going to Zambia. They are your favorites. Uh, the winner will get an even tougher draw no matter what and have to play Simba out of Tanzania, one of the 12 teams that got to buy. All right, let's look at our hosts first. It is a, is our tradition, Power Dynamos. They play out of... Kitway in the north central part of the country. That's the second biggest city in the country, a little over a half a million people. Part of the Copper Belt Province, and uh, make no mistake, there it is named precisely for mining purposes. Little USA Connection, they are sistered with Detroit. And uh, a famous hip-hop artist is from there that I just thought it would be fun to highlight, something random I bumped into, a fellow named Blaze, B-L-A-A-Z-E, at least I assume it's that and not Blase. Let's listen to just a little bit of Blaze see that's how it works here football we want to learn about it but it's also our lens on the world an excuse to learn just any and everything that we could possibly want to that was fun All right, a little bit about the league in Zambia. The Premier League, it is ranked number 15 in the CAF. Uh, The 2023-24 league season is just one match in, and uh, the last title they won was their first league title in 12 years. 1991, they became the first team from Zambia to win a continental title of any kind. That was the African Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, Basically, think of that as a second-best Champions League, if you will. 1985 they made the champions league quarterfinal best they've ever done internationally 2012 they made the second round and that is their latest international appearance Now to get an idea of what they're like generally speaking I realize you know last season was last season But still the makeup of teams doesn't change necessarily overnight So last year uh dynamos they won the league by six points over at maestro united they had the number one offense and defense, and it was the defense where they really shined even more. Uh, they only gave up a little bit over a goal every other match on average. Offensively, they had the second best scorer in the league, Kennedy Musanda, but they're going to have to replace that offense from somewhere uh, because he has moved on to a Tanzanian team, a very good one called Young Africans. And now Africa Stars. They are known as the Samba Boys and play out of Windhoek, which is the capital. The NPFL, their top flight league, is not rated in Africa. Now, don't read too, too much into that. They only rate about the top, oh, roughly half of the countries or so, maybe 60%. Uh, enough of them just don't get enough international play that a rating is warranted, and this is one of them. But suffice it to say, any league that uh, isn't ranked is definitely going to be your underdog uh, against a team from a ranked league. There was no top-flight play between 2019 and last season in this country. Prior to that, it was called the NPL, the top-flight. Now it is the NFPL. African Stars won last season by 12 points over a club called Blue Waters. Uh, Before the name change and then their hiatus from league play in the nation, uh, they also won five NPL titles, the most recent one 2017-2018. They have never been past the first round, and they've only been to the CONCACAF, or not CONCACAF, excuse me, the CAF Champions League twice. It doesn't appear that their new season has started either, and I wasn't able to find a great deal about last season beyond the basic table. But once again, the Samba Boys are your underdogs, but wouldn't it be fun to see them advance to play Simba? Match number B. And already we're on to Sunday. Match number B. Replace the icky phrase number two in your lives and New Bites. We can do it so much better. Listen to it in action how couth and civilized it is. Match number B, Sunday match from the CAF Confederations Cup The Champions League Cup is all your best teams from the best leagues as we discussed The Confederation Cups gets uh, from the top 12 leagues They get the third and fourth place teams And then they also get the winners from all over the continent of what are called FA Cups Now, for newer fans, FA Cups, to simplify Those are knockout tournaments that get played by the top flight and usually teams from a lot of the lower divisions as well. And they are played in the same part of the year as the league play, which (laughs) leads to a lot of what they call match congestion for teams that make long runs in the FA cups. So that's the makeup of who's in this tournament. And by the way, the winner of this tournament does qualify once again for next year's uh, Confederations cup. Your matchup is Abu Salim versus Olympique Beja out of Libya and Tunisia, respectively I had to think about it for just a second um, The North African teams I sometimes get those a little bit confused But make no mistake, Abu Salim is out of Libya They play out of the capital city of Tripoli I'm not sure I'm getting the pronunciation right Part of that is because of the way uh, Stuff from that part of the world gets transposed uh, Probably from Arabic Because uh, Abu Salim could also be Abu Salem S-A-L-E-M Which is the name of a very famous or infamous If you probably Prefer prison from that part Of the world I don't know what The direct connection is uh, If the prison system sponsors this team Or not but Yes it is the same name Now they qualified for this tournament Did Abu Salim as last year's Number four in the Libyan Premier League yes so The Libyan Premier League is one of the Top 12 leagues in the countries Therefore they get to send two teams To this event just like they sent two Teams to the Champions League which is really amazing for this club because 2018-19 was their first year actually in the Premier League. They just finished their most recent season in which they finished number three. So this they'll be in this event next year as well. Not going to look at the championship round because it was a little shorter, but looking at their stats from the regular season, they played in the 10 club group B most recently, and they had the fifth best offense. It's a very low scoring league. They weren't even quite getting a goal per match. Second best defense, giving up less than a goal every other game. Third best goal differential. So while they're going to need to get a goal, uh, they're probably going to hope to get work to get just the one and maybe take this to penalties if I had to guess. And now Olympique Beja, they are known as El Lampique, which might be rooster, but that is a real stretch. I'm not sure of my translator at all on that. All right, city of Beja. It's in the northwest part of the country, right up against some mountains, and it's also in a key crossroads area, very fertile area, population of about 100,000. This place was known in ancient times as the Granary of Rome. So while there is going to be a little light industry there, you can tell what the economy is based around. Now, this team qualified by, finishing, uh, by winning rather last year's Tunisian FA Cup that I mentioned before, so good for them. Uh, in league play last year, they only finished in seventh, and in fact, they've never finished above fifth place before. So making any kind of international tournament, pretty rarefied air for them. In the regular season last year, they were in their group B as well, which was eight clubs. They had the best offense in the league, getting one and a half per match. A pretty good defense to go with it. Tied for second best in scoring on the year uh, was Osama Bouguera, who played winger for them. But you'll notice the past tense. He moved on to Tunisian club, one of their real powers, uh, Esperance uh, de Tunis. And unfortunately, their next best scorer, who had seven, Amin Habubi, moved on during the season to another really good club, Sufaxian. So it's going to be interesting to see where their offense comes from this particular time. Their new league season is just underway, so there's really no meaningful stats to take from that. Uh, 2011, they made the first round of the Confederations Cup. I believe that was their only other ever international appearance. Match number three. Still on Sunday and back on our side of the pond, we head to the great white north of Canada for their Premier League. This is the sixth ranked league in all of CONCACAF. For those who are unfamiliar, CONCACAF is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean, all under one confederation. They're in Canada. They are three quarters of the way through their quadruple round robin regular season. They've only got eight clubs in there, so they got to play each other a lot. Now, in this club, both the regular season champs and the playoff champions will qualify for what, until this upcoming year, was known as the CONCACAF Champions League, now the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And by the way, the top five teams from the regular season will all make the playoffs. Your key matchup, what a race they've got going. Number one, Cavalry FC versus number B, Pacific FC. Cavalry currently lead Pacific by one. Pacific, in turn, they lead two other teams, by still just another single point So key matchup indeed uh, The two times they played earlier this season already Pacific only managed a 1-1 draw At their place but they did get A 2-1 win on the road At Cavalry last time The series between these two historically has been Largely Cavalry though They've accrued an 11-5-7 record But this is the time of show we normally take a break to learn how we're going to gamble. And since these two teams will play each other at least one more time and probably in another regular season key matchup, we are going to learn how to gamble on this by turning to our 3,500-year-old prognosticator in-house gentleman, Noob Stradamus, who will have another drug-aided or drug-addled vision and see what kind of result. He can divine for us. Take it away, almighty Soothsayer.
2: Greetings from the Thracian Plaintons of Greece. Tis I. Late COVID logistics shipping problems kept our agreed-upon Fresca shipment from reaching me until now. And so I once again abide by our agreement, and I will divine you a soccer score. Ah. <sighs> With the aid of the lotus leaf, I travel once again through space and time. Whee! My waking world vision fades, while my dream vision begins. While I am still on a plane, It is certainly not Thracian, and it's in a time long gone by. I am in the area you now know as Foothills County, near Okotok, meaning simply the rock. So there is the pink and purple quartzite boulder, unlike any other stone as far as the eye can see. It's summer and ghastly hot out. Which is why I see a strange character, strange because he's talking to the stone. He rests in its shade, offering the rock his robe as thanks, but soon a ferocious cold wind howls over the plain and heat turns to icy air. The character asks for the robe back, but the rock, yes it speaks, declines. Neither I nor this fellow have any idea what a rock would want with a robe, so he simply takes it back and strolls away. Lo, the rock is angered to action. It rumbles, rolls, and chases the man. It occurs to me that he is Lepi, a trickster god of the Blackfoot people, with enviable power over nature. Dear Bison! pronghorns They're all compelled to run in front of the 15-ton rock, but are squashed to pate. Then, Lapie calls upon bats to fly into the boulder. More than a bit strangely, this stops it. One of them hits it just right, and the stone is cracked right in two. The vision fades. My eyes open to the mortal world again. Noob, this tale of an actual glacially deposited. Massive stone tells us the tale for our soccer match. Cavalry will score once for the Okotok as it was. Pacific will score two for the rock's current state. I have seen and I have spoken.
1: Match number four. Three. You know, we've had far crazier, far crazier predictions for Your Namas. That one was both educational with a little bit of mytho history and has a chance of being true. I feel like I'm having my own drug addled division. So with that being the last Sunday match, guess I better give myself Monday off and be prepared for Tuesday. That's where we find match number four from the Kaka Central American Cup group stage. This is the first year that this event has ever existed. Let me give you the lay of the land, especially for those of you who are newer or even some veteran fans who mostly follow European ball might not know about the current structure. And I will simplify. You've got your CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly CONCACAF Champions League. The Mexican and the U.S. teams and Canadian teams all have their various ways into that. It is different if you are from the Caribbean or from Central America. Central America, they have their own qualified ter- qualifying tournament, and it is this one. The winners will go to the cha- directly to the Champions League, and they will get start in the round of 16. The next best five teams from the event will also get to qualify for the Concacaf Champions Cup. They, however, will have to start in the first of the qualifying rounds. The teams that are here have been divided into four groups of five. They're just playing a single round robin, and the top two from each group will advance. This is the last match for these two teams. Currently in their group, second place, uh, Cartagines out of quarter, uh, Costa Rica versus number three, Universitario out of Panama. Uh, the table looks like this, except for the bottom team, which has not accrued a point. Saprisa, so also from Costa Rica, seven points. Cartagines, just a point behind at six, Universitario with five, and Coban Imperial with four. So given that somebody's going to get to play the last place team, it really uh, would not do well for either of these teams to merely get a draw. Somebody's got to get a win, or who knows Coban Imperial could end up being the team that ends up moving forward. All right. I don't know why they're called the Foggers, but that is the nickname for Cartagines. They play out of the city of of, uh, Cartago or Cartago. Not sure of my Spanish there with the G. But I can tell you that it's mostly an agricultural area, plus a lot of commuters to uh, the capital city of San Jose, which is only about 15 miles or so away. City is in the central part of the country and has well over 150,000 people. Their top flight, the Primera División, División is ranked number four in all of CONCACAF. They were number three for quite a while, but have recently been surpassed, I believe, by Honduras. This particular team has won the league title four different times. Most recently was the 2022 Apertura stage, a reminder for newer fans that a lot of Latin American countries divide their soccer year into two separate seasons or stages. Opening and closing, Apertura y clausura. Their second most recent title, you got to go back in the history book a little bit, 1940. Yeah, as you might imagine, just like the Chicago Cubs here in the States or a number of other teams that have been down on their luck, there are various stories to say why they've been quote-unquote cursed or how they've been cursed into not winning. And one particular story that I really enjoyed said that after the 1940. Uh, League win that a bunch of the team members celebrated by riding horses all over town including into a very famed basilica which is absolutely sacrilegious and so the priest who was on duty there cursed them to never winning so apparently that curse had about you know an 83 year or 82 year uh, you know length on it by the way, this club, just to give you a little perspective, is ranked number 65 in CONCACAF. They are seated third in this particular group. So getting to advance would be a mild upset. But that's the position they're in. A draw even may do it. Uh, so far, uh, they've done very well. The 6-1 goal differential. That's the best offense in the group. So they're probably going to be looking to push the pace here. By the way, they qualified for this event, getting the fourth and final berth out of Costa Rica. Uh, the same team won both the Apertura and Clausura uh, tournaments that were the qualifiers for this year's event. And uh, Cartaginés, they were the third best of the non-stage champions. Kind of fun. Barely squeaked in, and yet here they are, really still alive. Tied for second best in event scoring with a pair is Alan Guevara. He plays winger for them, veteran 34 years old. 2023-24 Primero División They're in third place currently The season isn't too hard In maybe a half a dozen games They're well balanced Not doing great on either side It's not a high scoring league Fifth best offense at one and a third goals per match Team's current form They are 2-0-1 oh, in their last three With, there's that offense A 7-2 goal differential and now the panamanians universitario they play out of the city of uh pinono may their crest is a fun one <laughs> sort of it's got a phoenix on it and that symbolizes the city's recovery from the destruction it faced by uh when they were going after noriega i believe from us's operation just cause ouch <laughs> all righty so they qualified by uh as the 2022-23 second-best aggregate non-champion. So they're another team that didn't win the Apertura or Clausura, but did well enough overall to qualify. This is another league where the same team won both of the stages, by the way. This club is ranked as the number 95 ranked club in all of Concacaf. So you can see they're about a third of the way down past their opponents today. They are seated in fourth place in this group, so they are another one that is doing a little bit better than expected. And by the way, their league that they play out of is ranked number seven in all of Concacaf. Their last league titles uh, were their last league title rather was the 2017 APATURA They've only ever won three. Uh, 2022 Klausura, the most recent completed league stage They finished just fifth overall Tied for second best in events scoring, Everardo Rose, he's got a pair. Tied for number three fairly early on in their league season with a pair himself is Ricardo Avila, their midfielder who, yes, MLS fans or specifically USL Championship fans, if you recognize that name, it is the same guy who played a couple years back for Real Monarchs, the second division team under Salt Lake City. Team's current form, 3-4-0 and 0 in their last seven with an impressive 7-1 goal differential. I still think they're the underdogs here and even would be in a neutral location. Match number five. Our next batch of Tuesday action takes us to UEFA. That's the European Confederation. They are also having their Champions League. It is time for the playoff round. Second leg in the home and away, two-legged tie. What is the playoff round, newer fans? Well, it's basically the fourth and final qualifying round. I don't know why they give it a different name. There are 12 teams here. The six winners will move on to the group stage where they will be joining uh, a whole bunch of the very best teams that automatically qualified there from the biggest and best leagues all over Europe. And uh, the juiciest looking match to us looked like Molda out of Norway versus Galatasaray out of Turkey Galatasaray won it 3-2 to two at their place The Norwegians, will see if they can make that, uh, catch up on that there at home You can catch this one as I intend to 3 o'clock Eastern Time of the U.S. on Paramount Plus Or if you want Spanish language broadcast, TUDN or VIX Streaming Service but that's all you're going to get out of us for this particular one because this is the time of show Where we let my 11 year old daughter and co-host take over for another one of her passions besides uh, Soccer but rather than do a new version of it. She's been busy. Uh, She just got back from visiting her grandparents She's been getting ready for school playing middle school basketball It's crazy It's hard to believe that this isn't necessarily her top priority, but the kids got to sleep sometime so Uh, Normally, she chooses a subject from the home team's place, in this case, Norway. Instead, this week, we are going to do a little blast from class from about a month ago where she looked at an animal from Sweden. So let's have our blast from the past. Our next match doesn't come from a continental confederation, but we slipped it in anyway, just in alphabetical order for the acronym of FIFA worldwide because the Women's World Cup is going on and the USA gets to play Sweden in the knockout round. They only finished second of the group stage. They squeaked in congratulations to them and to Sweden. But since you can get previews about the particulars of this match, just about anywhere, I'm going to let this be the opportunity for daughter dearest co-host 11 year old, Person noob to take over with Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from from around around the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, now I'm doing the oh, yeah, just like you do. So you're here to tell us we like to learn about soccer, but we also like to learn about the world through the lens of soccer. What particular animal are we going to be learning about today from Sweden?
0: The Arctic fox.
1: Gets its own theme song What is the overall status for the Arctic Fox? Is it endangered?
0: Uh, Not really Uh, It's least concerned worldwide
1: Right, worldwide But how about for this particular region? Uh,
0: uh, uh, Yeah, Uh, it is critically endangered in Sweden and nearby areas Yeah, it's not
1: doing well in Scandinavia and northwest Russia There's only a couple hundred of them, in fact From what I read and had in my notes How big is this thing?
0: Um, About two feet long
1: Mm, what else can you tell me about the size?
0: I uh, it's small, I uh, it's uh, small and compact to preserve the body heat.
1: That's understandable. It's a very teeny tiny creature. In fact, I read that the difference between the core temperature of the fox and you know how like we're at like ninety, you know, ninety two, ninety three degrees, whatever. Uh, Arctic fox can run as high as one hundred eighty to try to keep itself warm. And it's or I'm sorry, there's a hundred eighty degrees total difference between the outside and the inside sometimes so it's got to run really really hot on the inside what sort of things uh, before i eat it what sort of things does it like to eat would it eat me no no what does it like to chew on
0: uh it eats lemon uh lemmings voles ring ring seal pups, fish waterfowl and seabirds uh, carrion, berries, seaweed, and insects, and other small vertebrates.
1: Yeah, so the ones near the coast, they like to eat the seaweed, and the ones that are uh, more inland, they like to eat more of the other animals. It sounds like any. Basically, what I read is if they're not near the sea, they'll read they'll eat anything smaller than them, <laughs> more or less. They are not particularly picky. What are some of the things that do like to eat them?
0: Um, uh, things that like to eat them, uh, like predators. Are golden eagles, arctic wolves, polar bears, wolverines, red foxes, and grizzly bears.
1: And I'll tell you right now from my nose, red foxes are the really, really, really big one. Now, a lot of animals, they like to hibernate when it gets really, really cold and the food's a little more scarce. Does the arctic fox do that too?
0: Nope, it does not hibernate, uh, but they move a lot less uh, in fall to build up fat, growing up to 50% in size.
1: Wow, so they don't need to go to sleep to put on the big boy pounds, huh? Nope. Nope, neither do I. Well, I sleep a lot too, and I'm putting on the big boy pounds. Neither here nor there. All right, tell me about the kind of places they like to live.
0: Uh, they live in huge maze-like dens.
1: Oh, maze-like. That sounds like it'd be really hard to build. Why do they go to all that effort?
0: Oh, uh, uh, well, it helps protect them from the red
1: foxes. Yeah, the foxes can get in there and they're pretty easily too, but they might get lost if they don't know their way. And the Arctic fox knows its way. And then there's also a lot of escape holes from what I read. So that's how they can get away from them. Now, it can get beyond cold in the Arctic, even colder than back home where Grandpa and Grandma live in Iowa. How cold does it have to get before a red, uh, before an Arctic fox even starts to like shiver from the cold, though? Negative 94. Holy cow. You know, some people around our part where we live, the country where we live right now, they start to shiver if it gets below 74, even outside, let alone inside. Can you imagine being at negative 93 and going, you know, I'm cold, but I'm not that cold. I'm okay and not shivering?
0: That,
1: no. I would have to be wearing so many parkas and moo-moos and everything else. be unbelievable. What can you tell me about its sense of hearing? It's got something really special, doesn't it? And its smell.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's hearing, its hearing helps to find lemmings and seals under under the snow.
1: Several feet from what I understand. But their sense of smell does even more.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, their sense of smell helps to find polar bear carcasses up to 25 miles away.
1: 25 miles away Mm -hmm. can you imagine i mean that's almost that i mean yeah we can somebody can probably smell your farts 25 miles away but that's neither here nor there
0: i I think that's yours
1: (laughs) no i don't think so maybe the cats we got a cat climbing around the quote-unquote studio here you smelled what he did the other day and that probably could have been smelled for 45 miles Ugh. New kitty foods doing that, but anyway, I think that's pretty cool. So while they like to go mostly after live animals, after an Arctic wolf, like if it you know eats a, if it eats a bear and leaves anything behind for twenty five miles, I mean that's as far as it takes us to drive from like you know from home up to Lexington. Can you believe that? And it can smell a polar layer laying around from that far away. Uh. Absolutely unbelievable. That's like a shark smelling blood in the water from miles and miles away. What are some of the threats to this particular animal? Why is it having trouble in Scandinavia?
0: Climate change.
1: Yeah. What does climate? Cha- how does climate change affect it in particular?
0: Uh. Oh well. There's less snow covering it. Oh, which means the white fur is not protecting his camouflage.
1: Yeah, the ones that are nearer the coast, from what I understand, uh, have uh, tend to be a little bit more blue. So they're kind of uh, nothing's really changed for them. But the ones in the interior of Scandinavia are really, really struggling. The red foxes are having an easier time seeing them, and the red foxes are bigger and probably faster. And what else is making it so that there are more red foxes to eat the Arctic white foxes?
0: Uh oh there are a few uh well there are fewer wolves hunting them, so there so there are a lot more.
1: Oh, so fewer wolves hunting the red foxes, or all the foxes in particular, means more red foxes to eat the white Arctic foxes. Mm-hmm. You know what else I read they like to they like to eat if uh if there's foods really, really scarce? Mm-hmm. Their own poop. I don't think I could be that hungry, do you? <laughs> and Persa passed out and fallen over. <laughs> oh, hi. You didn't know that one was coming. All right, in this part of the world, what is uh, there is one big place, uh, Nature Reserve, that is trying to preserve these in Sweden. What is the name of it?
0: Um. um
1: yeah, we practiced it, but it's a fun one, isn't it?
0: Something, something. Nature Reserve in Sweden.
1: Well, spell it out.
0: V-I-N-D-E-L-F-J-A-L-O-E-N-S.
1: Uh uh-huh, hi and I told you the J is like a y for us where it makes a yes sound so Vindia. Vindia like a fiat remember Vindia. fjords from uh, from the what the Disney movie with the princesses let it go let it go what was that called the movie
0: Frozen
1: yes frozen yeah fjords. So the J is like a Y. So Fjallens Nature Reserve in Sweden. So if you want to help protect Arctic foxes, that is the name of the place to Google up because they are doing far and away the most in that area, or at least I assume so, because it was the one name of a place that we found very prominently. And now comes the time of the show where we listen to person who react to baby pictures of Yay! the animal. <laughs> which works really well in an audio format describe to the people what you're seeing
0: cute little babies
1: yeah they're very small to begin with and only 2 feet long and that's those are the adult ones that and,
0: that one looks like a cartoon
1: yeah one of them is a car yeah that one yeah that one's a car oh that one's real but looks like a cartoon cuz it it looks like its eyes got done like it got a makeover yeah. like it's wearing mascara there is a cartoon one but and there's one looking down a snow hole. He's probably gonna go after a lemming or a ring ring pup seal.
0: Oh look at you and he's so cute. Yeah,
1: they're all curled <laughs> up. They curl like up like that because their bottom is uh their belly is where the fur is the least. And so they curl up to reduce their surface area against the cold air surrounding them. Pretty cool. By the way, this animal, it wasn't in your notes, it was in mine, has the thickest or most insulating fur of any animal in the world. That's part of the reason it gets hunted. That's another reason that it's having trouble in places like Scandinavia, even though it's illegal to hunt them. Particularly the blue ones get hunted because that fur is so warm and so beautiful.
0: <laughs>
1: You're looking at one, looking at a round coffee table where the whole coffee table face is just nothing but an Arctic fox face. And there's one getting held. See how small he or she is compared to that hand? You think we should have an Arctic fox here at home? Yes. Maybe we could help save them yes. and preserve them. We I don't, need all of them. It's here. probably too warm for them here. We, we need, need all the baby foxes all here. The baby foxes. All right. Well, this has been lots of fun, person. Who? Thank you for introducing us to the Arctic fox. And this was animals, animals from,
0: from around, around the world. world. Croissant.
1: Croissant. Croissant. Yeah. All right. The Kitties have enjoyed having person Noob around for the lion's share of the summer. I think their mewling is them sharing their distress that she will no longer be around during any of the weekdays. Or it could just be that they are once again, as they do every week, demanding a recap of last week's matches. That much I can fix. Match number one was a Saturday match last week from the CONCACAF Leagues Cup, Nashville versus Inter-Miami. And the result was an Inter-Miami win. It took penalty kicks in. Wow, a lot of them. 1-1 after regular time, 9-10 to on penalty kicks, and uh, the great Messi had a goal, and he led them on to uh, win the championship a couple of three days later. Next up was your match of disappointed. Explanation on the three bonus matches coming later from the Chinese Super League. Number 16, Shenzhen took on number 15, Nantong Zhiyong and it was uh, Nantong Zhiyong getting a 0 one win on the road. That moved them up to number 14 and at least for the moment, out of the relegation zone. Credit where it's due. Match number B last week from the Baltic Women's Football League. Their final FK Gintra out of Lithuania took on FC Flora from Estonia. Uh, no surprise that Gintra were winners, but what's surprising is that it wasn't a blowout because they do that to just about everybody. Uh, Flora held them back. Some intro won 3-2. to two. Congratulations to the champions. Then your second bonus match, the most meaningless match in the world from the higher league of Tajikistan. Number 5, ViceCon took on number 7, Kosolat. They played to a nil-nil draw. No surprise, that's what you do when it's the most meaningless match in the world. And so there was no change in the table for them. Match number 3 was from the Dominican Republic's Liga Mayor. That's their top flight. Number B, CBA took on number one, Mocha. The home team got a 1-0 win. They switched positions in the table. Congratulations to the new league leaders. Your third and final bonus match was the Route of the Week from the Venezuelan Primera División, and that was number one, Academica Puerto Cabello versus number 15, last place, Mineros de uh, Guayana, and it was APC getting the win. No surprise there. 2-0. Just surprised it wasn't by more. Guy, we said the for on This one, Luifer Hernandez got a goal. I love that name because it's Lucifer minus C. Just kind of fun. Alright, match number four officially. A Sunday match from the FIFA Women's World Cup. It was Spain versus England in the finals, I'm sure you know, and Spain got the 1-0 win. They were our pick. Yay for us. We don't get a trophy like they do. Maybe the Spanish president will kiss, come kiss me on the lips. What? I did college theater? Don't judge me. Match number five was from the NWSL. Number B, Portland Thorns took on a number one North Carolina Courage, and Portland got the 2-1 win. I don't believe there was a change in the table there, but Portland really are your best team in that league. And their superstar, Sophia Smith, she had the game-winning goal. Monday, match number six from Colombia's Categoria Primera A, where they're in the Clausura stage, was number one Bucaramanga, taking on number three Rio Nega, Aguilas. They were part of a three-way tie for they played to a 1-1 draw, and because of that, Bucaramanga actually dropped down to second place, and Rio Negro dropped down to number four. Yeah, the team that they were tied with, Independiente uh, Medellin, they got a win. Uh, For Bucaramanga, key guy that we said to look for, Javier Reina, he had a goal. Tuesday, match number seven from the AFC Champions League playoff round, Incheon United out of South Korea took on Haiphong, I believe out of Vietnam, and Incheon got the 3-1 win though it took added extra time. Uh, key players we said to look for, they were on fire this match. Gerso Fernandez had a goal and an assist for Inchon and for Hai Fong, their homegrown star, Win Hai Hui had an assist. Match number eight for the AFC Cup, third qualifying round. Mohan Bagan out of India took on uh, Dhaka Abahani out of Bangladesh. The Indians won it 3-2-1. Match number nine, Wednesday, for the U.S. Open Cup. Houston took on Real Salt Lake in their place and got a 3-1 win. Another one that took added extra time, even though it was more than a one-goal margin by the end. Uh, Hector Herrera for Houston, that we said to look for as a key player, had the opening goal. Match number 10 for Major League Soccer, our feature match, The Hell is Real. Derby, number six in the east columbus took on number one of the east cincinnati home field meant more than the table positions did the crew got a huge win 3 0 that moved them up to number five i think they're going to crack the top four eventually and be able to host a home playoff match by the end of the season that concludes your recap of last week's matches now let's jump back into the upcoming week's matches with match number six Our final Tuesday match takes us to South America for the Copa Libertadores. Note that the abbreviation would be CL. That helps me out to remember that it is another Champions League, and they have reached their quarterfinal stage a little bit ahead of the Europeans on the calendar. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Pretty good matchup with Internacional is in store. They're a big team out of Brazil versus Bolivar out of Bolivia, as you would guess uh international they won the first like nil one on the road but this still looked like the best of the quarterfinal matches that we had the results for at the time of recording if you've got a deep enough uh, satellite or cable package you can watch this one on b in sports at six o'clock eastern time in the u.s Internacional they are known as the steamroller and play out of the city of porto alegre they're the uh, not the fifth biggest city, but it is the fifth biggest overall metro area in the country, over four and a half million people. It's in the deep south of the country. If you can imagine Brazil, how it gets narrower and narrower in the south. This is pretty close to the tip. Uh, it's officially the capital of the Pampas region, even though that's not an administrative uh, division per se. It is a huge port down there Also a lot of big industry And agriculture from the hinterlands This is a pretty well-to-do area This is the number 18 ranked team In all of uh, Conmebol or South America And historically, wow, did they have a lot of good stuff On their resume They won the FIFA Club World Cup They were world champions back in 2006 Don't tell them that the Europeans Don't take that tournament as seriously as they do They'll get very angry They've won the Copa Libertadores twice, last time was 2010. They qualified for this year's edition by finishing in second place last year in the Campeonato Serie A, the top flight in Brazil. They just squeaked it out over Argentinian power river plate last round, three to three on aggregate, and then eight to nine on penalty kicks, got it done on the road. Key player to look for on the event scoring leaderboard with four is Alan Patrick, Brazilian central midfielder. Spent the heart of his career with Shakhtar Donetsk in the Ukraine. So in Ukraine, rather. So European fans have a good chance of recognizing his name. Here in the 2022-23 season, which is about halfway done, the team only sits in 14th place. Ouch, really struggling. One of only a handful of teams that's not in position to return to international play next year. Or get relegated, very strange Uh, The problem has been the offense They are second worst in that regard It has disappeared They're only getting a bit over three quarters of a goal per match on average The defense has been, well, I mean better Only a little bit below average 15th overall goal differential It's really not looking like they're going to make a recovery So if they want to play this event next year They got to win the whole darn thing The season MVP for them so far has been the singularly named Renee, in my opinion. He is a left back who is a great dribbler, 70-plus percent success rate. Uh, The uh, engine for what very little offense they do manage to uh, put back there. And he's got some very solid defensive stance as well. And we've got a USA connection, Johnny Cardoso, who uh, I believe largely just goes by Johnny down there. Uh, He's a midfielder, just 21 years old. Uh, he moved to Brazil when he was just three months old with his family. Well, obviously, he wouldn't move without them. that would be very difficult for a three-month-old to coordinate. But he's already made seven USMNT caps. He's good, but he's not Brazilian national team good, it doesn't look like. Teams current form: they are 1-0-2 oh, in their last three, so struggling just a touch. And now your visitors, Bolivia or Bolivar, rather, out of Bolivia, they play in La Paz, which is one of two capitals. This is one of those places where they split up some of the branches. Uh, They basically have the what we would call the executive branch and the legislative branches. The other capital is the city of Sucre, which hosts the judicial branch. This club is ranked number three in all of CONMEBOL. They were seated third in the group stage, weren't expected to advance, at least if you looked at it on paper. They advanced to this round They also squeaked one out But against another Brazilian club So don't count them out in this one either They beat Atletico Paranaense 3-3 and then 4-5 On penalty kicks on aggregate They qualified for this year's edition As Primera División Apertura stage champs last year And by the way, their league is ranked Just a little bit below average Number 6 of the 10 that are part of Conmebol there in South America here in the 2023 league season, they currently sit in third place and they really excel on offense, getting two and a quarter goal per match. If they have any control over the pace in this one, they will be pushing it. That will be difficult. They didn't manage it when they were at home. I'm not sure how they're going to do it on the road. But if anybody can help them do it, it's going to be their scoring leader. Uh, he's got four on the year, Ronnie Fernandez. He is a Chilean striker, 32 years old. Interestingly, he just made his first three ever national team appearances. I guess it's never too late to uh, excel at the very highest levels. And by the way, he's also number six in league scoring with 11. And just as a fun side note, internationally, this is a team that is just within the top 10 all time for best international club appearances in Comable. They're number one in Bolivia, twice in the 37 appearances they've made in this tournament. They've been as far as the semifinals. Most recent time they managed that, 2014. Match number seven. And now we flip the calendar page to Wednesday for a match from the CONCACAF Caribbean Club Cup. Uh, The winners of this event will move on to the CONCACAF Champions Cup round of 16. The second and third place finishers, they will also go to the event but have to start in the first qualifying round. So you remember when we talked earlier about the Central American Cup. This is the equivalent to that. Uh, The one slight difference is a couple of the teams that made it didn't just make it. They didn't make it by virtue of league play. Uh, The teams that are in this, it's a little bit different. Two of the qualifiers were finalists from uh, the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield Tournament Which is for the amateur leagues all over the Caribbean There are a handful that are professional Most of them just sent representatives to the Shield Tournament two, The the two finalists got to move on to this event As if things weren't convoluted enough with all the changes, right? Now there were supposed to be eight other teams here Two from each of the four Team uh, nations in the Caribbean with professional leagues, but uh, and they still did send eight, but none of them came from Haiti because their league play has been suspended, I want to say, for like a year, year and a half. So the eight teams came from just three of the other nations. In any case, your matchup, Golden Lion. They're one of your representatives from the uh, Caribbean, uh, CONCACAF Caribbean Shield. So we've talked about them before, but I thought it'd be fun to revisit them and cheer them on. They will be playing host to Defense Force out of Trinidad and Tobago. This is the very first match of the group stage. Groups of five, there are two of those, and uh, they're just going to have the single round robin. So Defense Force will not get a chance to host Golden Lion. Golden Lion play out of Martinique. They qualified as the runners up from the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield Tournament. They were founded in 1947, didn't move up to Division One until 2008-2009. They won the first of their four titles in 2014-15. So once they've decided to come on after a few decades, they have really come on. They play from the centrally located commune of St. Joseph, about 16,000 plus people there. I think that might be the only landlocked commune on the island, interestingly. Uh, the Martinique Division de Honor is unranked by CONCACAF. They don't get quite enough international play within CONCACAF for that. Only 14 of the leagues from our region do. By the way, if you're wondering about Martinique, yes, they are a French territory, not a country They get to participate as a nation member, if you will, within CONCACAF But they are considered part of the French league system They get to uh, send somebody to play in the French FA Cup We talked about what that was earlier Uh, They do not, uh, but they are not FIFA members since they are not an independent country uh, 2022-23, Group A, uh, which was made up of eight clubs. It's a two-group league. Their regular season, uh, they had the number one offense getting over two and a half goals per match. Defense was nearly as good. They had the number one overall goal differential. They are your newly risen power the last several years there in Martinique. The 2023-24 season is only just about to start. As you might imagine, they like to do things when it's comparatively cooler. All right, now Defense Force out of Trinidad Uh, They are known as the Teteron Boys Teteron is a name of a bay that they are adjacent to They play out of a, uh, I don't know if you would call it a district now It was a town or village called Mucarapo Which it still is, but it is now functionally part of the capital city of the port of Spain It's west of the present uh, city center And it was the original Spanish settlement on the island The team, uh, this is not one of those teams Most places in the world, Army or military teams You'll find that they started that way But in recent years or even decades Don't really have much direct affiliation anymore With a body like that That is not the case here The Teteran boys of Defense Force are all uh, Trinidadian or uh, Toboggan Would that be the right gentleman? Coast Guard members, hence Defense Force They are the only TNT Team to have ever won an international trophy They have won the CONCACAF Champions Cup twice But it was so long ago that it was before it was called the Champions League And when it was called the Champions Cup the first time The more recent of their two wins was in 1985 The landscape was much different back then footy-wise It is worth noting that they won this event in 2001 Uh, While it was Golden Lion. Uh, This is Golden Lion's first match. I misspoke earlier. Defense Force have played one match already here in the group stage, and that was a draw with Cavalier out of Jamaica, one of the pretty good teams from over there. They qualified for this year 's event officially as the second best from Trinidad and tobago 's pro league. Now, the pro league was not finished, but the deadline on the calendar had come. Thankfully for them, the top two got to go, not just the winner because what a shame it would have been you know when uh, June second or whenever the deadline is they were in second place, they actually ended up winning the league, although they did not have the poor uh, they did not have the league 's top goal differential. Uh, They had a very good defense giving up uh, less than two-thirds of a goal per match on average, but it is Port of Spain FC that are really – the power in this country. The league, by the way, is rated since it's professional, but it's just number 13 of the 14 in CONCACAF. Key player to look for, tied for number three in scoring with 11, is Brent Sam, and that was last year in league play. And he spent, uh, just to give you a little perspective on what the abilities are like, so he's their best player, presumably. 2016-17, in the prime of his career, he played for a Portuguese third-tier team. Match number eight. Our soccer weekend's on Thursday, and we've got three matches still to cover. We're going to do a brief one here with number eight from the Europa League in Europe. It has reached playoff round, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie, newer fans. So Champions League is your best tournament. Uh, a lot of the uh, second-best teams, FA Cup winners, they go to the Europa League. And by the way, there is a third tournament, and we'll get to this in our ma- next match, the Europa Conference League. And it is for a lot of the second- and third-place finishers from some of the smaller countries around Europe, and they're all a lot of fun. Now, the matchup that I think looked uh, the most intriguing here in the Europa League is Zrinski-Mostar versus LASK. And they are out of Bosnia and Herzegovina and then Hungary, respectively, LASK. They won the first leg two to one. So this should be a heck of a battle. But we will say no more on this particular one because this is the time of show where we pause to take a culture break. Once again, using soccer as our excuse to learn something about the world. Usually that's food, but I made sure to eat, uh, have some healthy filling snacks before I ended up recording this particular episode. And so we're going to do something a little bit different and learn about a very famous poet and just all around intelligent and culture person in their history, Alexa Shantich. He is from the city of Mostar, uh, which is in the Herzegovinian region of the country of Bodzi and Herzegovina. He is easily the most famous poet and cultural person from there. Uh, they still, I believe, at, at least one, if not two, of their like umbrella festivals, as they call them in that part of the world, they still have poetry nights, which largely feature work. Uh, you know, from this guy. Very famous for his uh, having been an advocate for children and wanting to see Serb children in particular get educations that they weren't. Uh, He wrote poems, but not just poems. He wrote uh, magazine articles, prose. Uh, He was very much a member of the intelligentsia overall, and he was such an important figure that the Austrian side actually took him hostage in World War I. He wrote, uh, what made him unique was he wrote with both a clarity regarding uh, the overall history of his nation and the region, and yet was very much in tune with the daily life of the city of the people of Mostar. He also wrote love poems. You couldn't call yourself a poet in that time, you know, around the turn of the century unless you were in that part of the world, unless you also dabbled in love poems. The most famous far and away of the ones he ever wrote was called Amina. I believe this is based on a real girl. Um, I read that she was a neighbor Muslim girl that he pined over very much. uh, Unrequited love, just like in a lot of parts of the world, or maybe all over the world, is far and away the thing that they had their love poems and songs most about. And I say songs as well because it got transposed into what is called a Sevdalinka, which is a type of fervent, emotional song that's a, very much a, of the folk artistry of this area it's generally of a mid tempo um, it almost has a sort of italian feel to it stereotypically the most famous version has been covered many many times of this particular song was done by an artist named himzo polovina and we're going to listen to a little bit of it right now before we move on to the next one
2: Kad he
1: number nine. And now as advertised, your Europa Conference League match. Once again, they're in the playoff round or their final qualifying round, second leg of the home and away two-legged time. Best-looking matchup to us. Looked like Rijeka versus Lille out of Croatia and, of course, France, respectively. Lille won the first match one to two. Can they make that lead hold up on the road? It is a thin one in Croatian teams. Uh, that's a pretty good league. All right, let's look at the team out of Croatia first, Rijeka. The club is named after the city of the same name, third biggest in the country, a fair bit over 100,000. This is a major shipbuilding area, if you're not familiar, biggest deep water port in the country and one of, if not the very biggest in the overall region. Uh, this is probably a club that's rated right around number 100 in UEFA. The most recent club coefficient I happened to see was when they were 96th back in 2021. Internationally, they have made it to the Europa League group stage Four different times All within the uh, 2010s, if you will The most recent was 2020-21 They qualified for this year's event As the fourth place place finisher from last year's Croatian First Division Which, as you would guess, is their top flight league And it is ranked number 20 of all the leagues in Europe This team, because of the uh, How good their league is They didn't have to enter at the first qualifying round They got to start at the second qualifying round And they advanced over a team From Faroe Islands B-36 I'm going to pronounce it Torshawn Forgive me if I get it wrong It's T-O-R-S-H-A-V-N The Faroe Islands team uh, Lost to them 5-1 on aggregate here in their current season which is pretty young, Raïka are in third place and they've got a ma- but they've got a match in hand against the teams around them. So they're right there in the thick of it early on. Offense, uh, second best in the country with 3 so far. You got to imagine that this team will come down a little bit. They're not known for being that offensively oriented a league and they do have the number one offense giving up just one goal on average every other match. Key player to look for Uh, Number one in tackles per 90 minutes. This is a young fellow I want you to look for. Lyndon Salahi. He's an Albanian defensive midfielder, just 24 years old. He is not a full-time starter, at least in the sense that he plays a full 90 minutes. But he's been getting 60-plus minutes per match. It'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that and then move on to a bigger European league and club. That's why I wanted to mention him. Part of the fun here is hitting some of these players earlier in their career. But uh, the second best player in the entire league that everyone there knows is Bruno Goda. He plays left back for them, but he gets up quite a bit into a wing back role. Two goals and one assist already. And his goals are on the team that he's either got the most or he's tied for the most with that pair of goals very early here. Team's current form: four, well, that leg one loss of theirs snapped a five match win streak. And now Lille, they've got one of the cooler mascots I've seen. Uh, You get so tired of lions and stuff like that everywhere. They are the Mastiffs, yes. 2004, they won the Intertoto Cup. Uh, That is their only international tournament. And basically, that's a predecessor tournament to what is now called the Europa League. Last year, they were in the Champions League and made it all the way to the round of the 16. And that is the best that they have ever done here in the modern era, basically since basically the Intertoto Cup. They qualified for this particular event by finishing number five in France's top flight, which is called League One, and they got to enter at this round. That league, by the way, is rated number six in UEFA. Last year, because the new year isn't really worth looking at yet, it's uh, way too soon, Uh, tied for number six on offense is all they were, and sixth place on defense. Fifth overall goal differential, so they just snuck in was largely the credit for that is somebody from our side of the pond and that is their Canadian 20, Canadian 23-year-old forward Jonathan David, he had 24 goals for them last year. He has made 42 national team appearances for canadia and I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be with Lille, especially since that league has dropped a couple places in the coefficients in recent years, and their TV package has suffered. The money's going down to France a little bit. He's been a far and away most connected to and moved to Juventus over in Italy, but don't be shocked if he goes to. Tottenham Hotspur, who we say boo to on this show. We don't have favorites, but we do have some very big, capital U, unfavorites, and Tottenham is one of them. And then one other key player to look for, uh, number four in assists last year with an even 10, was Ramey Cabela, their attacking midfielder.
0: And match number 10, we're done. Finally!
1: And we've saved the best for last as far as I'm concerned because as advertised, This is where our special guest is going to come in. Instead of a mere mini preview for at least one side of this match, we are going to get a deeper dive into the type of information that you new bites should be graduating onto. Veteran fans, we appreciate you too that you're getting a little something out of these things as well. All right, match number 10 is our featured Major League Soccer Match of the Week. Now, first of all, Major League Soccer, what's at stake? Well, the conference winners, East and West, plus the next best two overall teams in number of points that they score, will all qualify for the next CONCACAF Champions Cup. Those are not the only teams from America or Canada that will go, but those are the ones that will qualify directly from regular season league play. And they're a little less than three quarters of the way through the season. Your tastiest looking matchup this week. Number four in the West, Orlando versus number one in the East, St. Louis City. Orlando, looking at the table, they lead number five, Columbus, by a point. That is important because nine teams are going to make the playoffs from each conference and you want to host at least one game and hang on. To a top four spot But the crew are breathing down Orlando's necks St. Louis They lead at the time that we're recording this Number B in the West LAFC By 7 points And you can catch this one 7.30pm on Apple TV with MLS Pass Now before we get to our special guest I will cover a little bit of the Orlando side of things They are known as Boo the Lions And it's a city built on a swamp Double Boo They are my least favorite team in Major League Soccer for these crazy reasons. 2020, they finished number four of the Eastern Conference, best they have ever done in regular season play. But our version of the FA Cup called the U.S. Open Cup, they won that last year, credit where it is due. In league play last year, they finished in seventh place in the East and didn't get any farther than the first round of the playoffs. Uh, They are number six on offense, defense, goal differential. This is a team that I think will make the playoffs but will not host a home game. A couple key players to look for. I believe their MVP has been Vacundo Torres. He's an Uruguayan right winger, 23 years old. Uh, He's made 13 national team appearances for his own country. And while he might last the season here in America, I'm not sure that by the time all is said and done, he's not going to end up over with Arsenal. That's the team in the Premier League that he's been linked the most to. Another guy I want you to look out for just for fun Tied for second best in goals per 90 minutes. He only plays 45 to 75 minutes a game and probably somewhat because of injuries to this team. He's getting a little bit over 0.8 goals per 90 minutes. That is Duncan McGuire. He's been filling in as a striker just 22 years old. And because of the time that he's been on the field, uh, whether I'm right or wrong about him subbing in because of the injuries, he has been connected already to a move to a pretty good team over in Belgium. Underlect. I wonder if he'll want to start there Or play another year or two in St. Louis And see if he can get to an even bigger league Besides the Belgian top flight He has got eight goals on the season Plus a couple of assists to go with that Teams current for him They are 2-0-1 oh, In their last three in the league And the league's cup tournament That was recently competed, completed And now let's move on To our interview with our Oh so special guest and so we reintroduce uh, Jonathan All. I'm going to call you our official uh, St. Louis City uh, correspondent. Although I will take back the word correspondent if that directly implies uh, 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 folded money needs to be exchanged. You know, needs to be handed over. There's no
3: payment. I, well, I I think that our financial arrangements are nobody's business. So carry on. No, it's <laughs> it's great to be back. And normally when I'm on uh, this illustrious podcast. I'm coming to you from Moralla, Missouri, which is about 100 miles southwest of St. Louis. But I happen to be in St. Louis and my hotel room, uh, if I crane my head around the the corner a little bit, I can see City Park from my hotel room where St. Louis City plays. Uh, that is it not where the, uh,
1: St. Louis public radio puts you up in some fancy digs. Sounds like
3: it's very nice. Very nice. And th- now that is not where the city uh, SC Orlando game is going to happen. That is in Orlando, but I do feel somewhat energized talking about the club having visual acuity to the stadium.
1: Now you told us in a recent uh, uh, interview that you were going to be attending a game sometime soon is, this uh well this one's going to be in Orlando It citizen were you at the St Louis Austin game the first league game or are you going to be at one coming up
3: I'm going to be at one on the 30th where they're playing Dallas FC uh that will be my first in-person MLS game um so I'm I am very very excited to as say as well this. you
1: should be because I mean the, the, will you choose to feel the burn the Dallas burn or or not I don't know what I'd be right know, I mean you know I think
3: – I think that really more depends on the temperature because, you know, the last city SC game uh, where they, uh, uh, they played Austin, it was about 32,000 degrees uh, that night in St. Louis uh, yeah, the I saw the video index.
1: And I saw the video of Texas where, you know, the road tar is melting. So it's everywhere.
3: Yeah, it's, it is, it is. Brutal. So, and actually, you know, it's funny. One of the things that I, I, I do find very interesting is that, uh, this is the time of year where a lot of those European players uh, get their metal tested by the MLS schedule because they are not used to playing, uh, you know, in in heat indices of up over 100 um, after, you know, f- flying for five or six hours to a match. They're not used to that. Uh, so no, nobody it's, should it's have a very to
1: get used to it either. But
3: <laughs> it's it's a very interesting time. Uh, very interesting time for sure.
1: Indeed, so uh, we're talking about the. Uh, I just uh, uh, did, of course. Uh, I was going to say off air, but that's not quite right. But I've uh, let off with the Orlando City preview. Let's let me ask. Uh, what are your thoughts on Orlando City as a team, the season they're having, and how they match up against St.
3: Louis? Okay, so I think that that this is one of those matches where if you kind of casually parachute in and you look to see that uh, City SC is number you know is first uh, in the, in the West. Um, and then you, uh, you look at Orlando and they're fourth in the East and you think, well, maybe this isn't going to be that much of a match, but if you look at recent form, Orlando city looks a heck of a lot better. They got off, uh, to a relatively slow start. Um, but Orlando city is, uh, they've done very well in their last 12 games or so. So their, their form has been very good. Um, they are, uh, a, a much better possession team than St. Louis, which isn't surprising because St. Louis's, uh, point of view has always been, you can have the ball all you want because it all matters is what you do with it when you get it. Yeah. Um, but when you know, team,
1: when, when St. Louis gets it, they shoot it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. It's a, uh, they, they, it's a hot potato. Um, however, you know, I think that, that, uh, that Orlando is, is going to be dangerous at home. They haven't they've done played very well at home in their last eight games or so. I don't think they've lost in their last eight games at home. Uh, They've got a couple of uh, quality strikers. So, I mean, this, this is not a foregone conclusion. I mean, I, I am loving city SC. I think they're playing great soccer right now, but I think that Orlando, this is going to be a tough match. I, I don't, uh, this is definitely not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination.
1: I remember when, uh, when I first started following uh, you know, soccer in earnest a few years ago, the first full MLS season I paid attention to, it was ridiculous. It shattered the 80-20 rule. It, it was it was nigh on impossible to get a road win no matter who you were and where you were going. And while MLS is still not that – you know, or MLS is not quite that way now, it is still, I think, a tougher-than-average league to win on the road no matter who you are. So – And, you know, it will be not that it's not hot in St. Louis, but it will be, I'm sure, God awful hot in Orlando the one part of the state, you know, not on the coast, although maybe that wouldn't even help temperature wise.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's going to be air you can wear. It it always is this time of year in Orlando, Uh, but it's not that much better in St. Louis. So I don't think that, that there's really going to be a weather advantage for sure. But I mean, you know, so I don't know a ton about uh, Orlando, but I do know that, uh, Facundo Torres and Duncan McGuire uh, are forwards that score and they score a, a decent amount. Both of them have eight goals on the season um, and they're dangerous up front and they can do a lot of damage. They also have some secondary scorers. So I, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a tough game. Now looking at, at, at city SC though, I, I got to tell you, St. Louis leads the league in goal differential. We can score goals like crazy uh, we beat Austin six to three in the last game. Yeah, what a shootout, um,
1: getting three and doubled up. By the way, is St. Louis the only team in the entire league, or just the East or West rather, that is getting two plus goals per match? Do you happen to know off the top of your head?
3: I I, I don't know for sure, um, but I do know that that uh, it is it's just ridiculous the amount of scoring. And you know that that six three victory, uh, it was two 0 at the half. <laughs> Oh, there, there were seven goals scored between those two teams after halftime. So you know it was a, down by
1: the heat. Oh, to answer de- the question, definitely. I pulled it up. I knew that there was one that was at least close. Columbus Crew.
3: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh, you know, and 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 I think one of the things that City has going for it is that in its addition, in in addition to being able to score goals practically at will, they've got uh, the brick wall known as Roman Berkey uh, in in goal uh, behind him. Now, yes, he did lit up let, let up three against Austin, but you know, he's still, he's still for my money, the best keeper in all of MLS. And I don't even think it's close. Um, really? I wouldn't so, you know, say it, that it's so, close
1: because of uh, guys like uh, uh, Blake, the Nashville keeper has been very good. Uh, what is his name? Joe Willis. I want to say, but yeah, I would put, I would put uh, Roman Berkey right up there with those guys. Certainly at least.
3: The One of the big storylines for this next match is going to be, is the, this is finally the time that Yao Klaus uh, gets into a game. Uh, you know, our big striker, uh, he, he was uh, had an amazing start to the season. He had five goals and just a few appearances. And then in April, he went down with an injury. That and, was going to uh, be it, my
1: next question. Is injury important in general and starting with uh, Joao?
3: Yeah, and, you know, he's he's been, uh, you know, it's just been ridiculous how they say, oh, I'll be back in a few weeks. Oh, it'll be about a month. Oh, it'll be three weeks. It, and I mean, it was just been a moving target. And city, Saint Louis had this huge break for the League's Cup because they didn't make it out of the stage uh, round. They didn't make it to the knockout round, so they were done very early, and they had almost a month off between matches. And so everybody thought, you know, Klaus, he's coming back. And and then they had the game against Austin. He wasn't even he wasn't even selected for the bench. Now there are some people who say, well, he's going to be in the, he's going to be available on this net. I'll believe it when I see it. But the 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 good news is, even though because he's one of the designated players, uh, he's one of St. Louis's designated players. Right. But even w- without him, there are guys that are scoring goals. I mean, uh, Giacchini uh, and Adeniran, both of them had a brace uh, against uh, Austin, um, and you know they so they had they can score goals up front. Um, you know Thomas Ostrack, uh scored from midfield uh Tim Parker who's just a, an insanely good Defender and is so dangerous on set pieces he got another header goal um off of a corner uh, St Louis just has so many different ways to score goals and and even among those six goals I didn't even say Edward Leuven, who's probably the best player on city is he
1: is Lewin back
3: oh yeah oh yeah and he looks amazing actually he uh in in the game against Austin he he had the ball at maybe 35, 35 40 yards out and was just not being contested so just kind of out of the blue he just hit he just unloaded with a laser beam that hit the woodwork and uh, and, and bounced off but <laughs> I mean it but I mean the guy's got he's got a howitzer for a right leg and he can deploy it at any time so he You know, yes, Lubin's back and he looks great. He had three assists. So the 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 point being that that you know we've got we've got uh, we can score from strikers, we can score from midfield, we can score from defenders are scoring on set pieces. So I think that that St Louis has so many different offensive weapons and such a good goalie that yeah really they should be able to win any game i think i saw that
1: and uh and i'm going to mispronounce it. sorry uh ngebola bloom uh the Bl- blum. yeah blum he's got a couple of uh goals on the year i want to talk yes. about this because he terms looked of- he
3: looked horrible by the way he looked horrible against uh austin that i mean it was such a great game to watch but i don't know if blum was like it was the heat Or if it was he was just having an off night, but he looked a month off.
1: I mean, you know that can have different on different guys. It can. All right. So here's what I want to talk about next in terms of injuries, offense, positions, because there have been a lot of guys stepping up and doing really, really well. Uh, Have uh, now I don't I don't follow St. Louis City any closer than I follow any other team, so there might be an easy answer to this. But Giacchini and uh, and uh, Joel Klaus. Had they, When uh, when Klaus was healthy, were the two of them playing at the same time?
3: Yes, sometimes. I mean, so really it depends on what formation City uses because they can play two up front. Um, Klaus and Giacchini can play up front. Uh, Giacchini and Adenarin can play up front. They also just uh, signed a, a striker from uh, who played in the Belgian League who's uh, been on the Iceland national team, a guy named Thorson. He saw his first MLS action last week. So we've got so many options up front and we can play two up front or we can play one up front and then play somebody like in a a 10 kind of attacking midfielder position and and like be 3 one up at the front. So there's a lot of different options and a lot of different looks. I think that, that with so many people stepping up, it really is giving coach Bradley Carnell, who, by the way, I will predict, MLS coach of the year without oh, How a doubt. could
1: he not be if the season ended yeah. today?
3: Yeah, I mean, even if, even if, I, I, come on, everyone was saying that St. Louis was going to be dead last, dead last in the West. You could not find anybody uh, with any kind of uh, soccer credentials that were picking them for anything other than dead last. And for them to be, yeah, okay, Bradley Carnell coach of the year. But dude's got a selection headache because, you know, he's got, got especially after Klaus has come back, He's got four really good choices at striker and he may play two up front. He may play one. Um, Edward Leuven, you know, he, I mean, talk about, the guy's a superstar, but he's also the ultimate team player because he has played, uh, he's played like in that number 10 spot. He's played defensive midfielder. He's played more of a kind of a, uh, 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 you know, in a diamond formation, kind of a winging uh, yeah. sort Why of. Why is Micheler. he not
1: in Europe right now? I have my own small guess, but it's only truly a guess. How did he end up in MLS? Cause he's still you know, in what, mid late twenties.
3: Yeah, but he's a designated player. And, you know, so for, for the, the, your listeners that may not know, so MLS uh, rules on salary are so complicated that no two people who know what they are are allowed to fly in the same plane. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so, so, but one of the big things is that there are salary caps, except you have three players that you can pretty much pay whatever the heck you want. exactly. Um, and they're the, your, your designated players. And Luvin is one of them. So I think that, 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 I think the money is part of it. I think Bradley Carnell is also, you um, got a certain reputation as you know while he's he didn't have a ton of uh head coach head managing experience he's been in the game for a long time he had a good reputation I think the fact that that Levin was one of those guys that they they had come over early and say we really want you to build something here yeah. Um, I guess you know, I just sort the, of assumed
1: that a bench spot on virtually any Bundesliga team, which is where they got him from, would mm-hmm. have paid substantially better than most uh, even DP players are getting MLS, yeah. you know, messy aside.
3: Yeah. But I, it's not just, I mean, it's not always just about the money. I mean, when you well, are, if he wasn't getting playing time, always, and he really wanted to be a starter, then that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just a starter, but, you know, one of the, you know, one of the most important players on the team, it's kind of like this, you know, when some of those, like, mid-tier uh, Major League Baseball players will go play in Korea or Japan for a few years, uh, you know... that. Yeah, well, why would you do that? Well, because you can make some decent money, and you're going to be an all-star over there, you know? So, I, I you know maybe what? It was I thought just
1: because he struggles with his passing accuracy. I saw he was only 73%, and that is ghastly for a centrally located player in, in MLS or any top fly.
3: <laughs> you know, okay, I... I I'm one of those people that believe that a lot of the stats of soccer are just so overanalyzed and so overplayed. I mean, yeah, his passing accuracy. Sure. It may not be good, but you watch that guy on a free kick, the guy could knock a dime off a beer can, you Uh know? I mean, it it all depends
1: on the kind of passes you're trying and all kinds of other things. But I, I just thought I'd toss that in the water, see how big a ripples I got.
3: (laughs) Well, okay. I will tell you this: I am in no under no delusion that MLS is even one of the top. It's probably not even in the top fifteen leagues around the world. I know that. I, I get that, but I don't care because it's still a high level of soccer. I'm a fan. I like watching the games. You know, so so it. Uh, you know, there's if you're gonna if you if you have the opportunity to play in a place that is so happy to have you there that is selling out a 20,000 seat stadium in downtown, you know, in, in, in the downtown. Well, sure. I mean, look of, at Messi
1: uh, in the bag that he turned down to, yeah. go to Saudi Arabia. I, I mean, you
3: know, it's, it, it's he could
1: have, he could have bought intra Miami for the money he was going to get from a Saudi Arabian club.
3: Well, well, yeah, but, it's not like it's. It's not like he's paying being paid minimum wage right now. I mean, remember to get Messi to enter Miami, not only did they have to, you know, pay him an insane amount of money, give him ownership opportunities, but Adidas and Apple TV were kicking in money <laughs> to get. Well, everybody him would
1: have to because to he would a, have gotten Ronaldo yeah. money. Ronaldo got yeah. what uh, what I used to think of as a Rod money, a quarter of yeah. a billion for just two years.
3: Yeah. But you know, okay. So let's let's talk about Messi for just a second. Um, you know, there's something to be said for. I mean, what Messi doesn't have anything to prove, obviously. No, and when he's you know, got all the money. Really, whether he's yes, whether he's whether he is the first, second, or third best player of all time. I think he's the third best, by the way. But it, whether he's the first, second, or third best, it, that's just all opinion at this point. But you know, when he's playing for Inter Miami. And he scores a goal. He can run over and hug his kids and kiss his wife. And that is not an option that necessarily is going to happen if he was playing in Saudi Arabia. No, in Saudi or, Arabia,
1: his wife probably can't go to the game.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, and and even even if he's you know playing in in you know if if you if he ended up playing in in Paris, you know, I mean, it still would have been it's still not the same. And so I think that that there's something to be said for. Playing the way you want to play and under the conditions you want to, and um, and just watching Messi play uh, is just been. He's he's clearly loving it. You know, he's absolutely loving playing for Inter Miami, and good for him.
1: Oh, absolutely, no doubt. Watching him in the League's Cup, trying to you know give the captain's armband. You know, to yeah. Deandre Yedlin and Yeldin, you know, Yedlin's, you know, becoming a, you know, understandably is basically becoming an 11 year old boy in his mind emotionally. Like, oh my gosh, it's messy and he's giving me the band. This can't be happening. Yeah.
3: So,
1: yeah everybody's enjoying him and he is raising their level of play. I, I think he's enjoying seeing that probably as well. But I would, I think I would also much rather live in Miami than Riyadh, especially if, you know, whether he's getting 20 million or 250 million. He's eating at the same restaurants.
3: (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, he's having his own, uh, you know, uh, James Beard-nominated personal chef making the same food. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) All right. Well, and to bring this back to Orlando, Orlando was knocked out of the League's Cup in the round of 32 by Inter-Miami, and Messi scored two goals in that match.
1: Well, he's been scoring in every match. I think uh, heading into the final, he had nine goals in six games. Just you know, you know, yeah. outrageous. But you know, so it'll be interesting to see what Miami can do. You know, uh, you know, coming up from last, but with only thirty percent of the season of left. I mean, wow, that would be a that would be a tough order to fill at this stage to get into the playoffs. But on the other hand, they've already you know they've now qualified for the league's cup. So in a way, they don't have to quote unquote worry about it
3: yeah. so in terms well, of
1: this particular okay game, so
3: well just before we leave that so apple yeah. tv one of the apple tv commentators they were talking about doing the math and i think inner miami has 12 games left and for them to make the playoffs you know and obviously the math changes depending on how other teams do but the projection is they have to win nine of 12 to yeah, uh, to, to uh, make the playoffs That's that's, what, that's that's tough. That'll be tough.
1: No, just no matter how much Messi improves you, there are road games. There will probably need to be a rest game at some point, especially because, as you wisely mentioned earlier, the heat of the summer,
3: you know, that's well, and going, Messi,
1: to, going to have see, to be isn't, considered. He, so uh, as far as, oh, what were you going to say, please?
3: Well, I was going to say that Messi, um, if I recall correctly, he's not playing at any stadium that has artificial turf. And I don't know if there are any of those 12 games that are left that are at stadiums that still have turf. So it's even possible that Messi might not play all of the next 12.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see, especially once, well, once you get to the end of the season, it might make sense to you know rest him a little bit more, or keep his yeah. appearances shorter. All right, so getting back to the match at hand, Orlando-St. Louis, how do you see it going and why? <sighs>
3: I'm going to say I'm going to say 2-2. 2-2 draw um, because I think that Orlando is more dangerous than than they might have gotten credit for. They're very strong at home. I think they have enough firepower that they will get a few in and I think that uh, St. Louis will look good but maybe they won't quite be able to run rough shot over them uh, the way that, uh, that they ran rush shot over um, Austin. So I'm going to, my, 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 intel my, my dispassionate uh, prediction is two two draw um, as a fan, obviously I'm hoping for a better result.
1: Well, of, of course. And I, I will say that, you know, not only is this a road game, but I think if you're looking at the likely playoff bound teams, uh, I would have to say that the even Cincinnati is kind of garish record aside. I think that the East is a little bit stronger than the yeah you know, than the Western Conference that year. Do you see it that way as well?
3: I do. um, I think that that especially if you look up and down the the ranking, you know, I think that if you took the the top eight teams from both conferences and had had them, you know do an elimination tournament, I think the East would do a lot better. I mean, I think that that, you know, you look at at teams like Nashville um, and Atlanta, uh, I think they're they have a lot going for them, especially if you compared them to like, you know, Vancouver or Austin. I think that the East teams, especially at the bottom um, of that, of the, the playoff bubble, I think they're a lot stronger in the East for sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, Austin's having a sophomore slump, but that's still an offensively talented team, certainly. Uh, that's one of the teams like St. Louis that we paid a little bit more attention to here for this show uh, than some of the other ones. How do you see uh, the the season ending up? They've been uh, treading water is the right phrase. But, you know, we, you, know, I think you and I have both wondered out loud, OK, when will they fall back to earth a little bit as far as, as far as the table? But, you know, over the last, what, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks, they've really only given up a couple of points to
3: LAFC. Well, I mean, at the moment, they're seven points up on LAFC. Now, LA has a game in hand, so that could be down to four uh, conceivably. But, you know, I I think that, that without a doubt, St. Louis hosts a home playoff game. Oh wow. I, I think without a yeah, doubt. I
1: don't think there's any doubt about that. I was going to ask him more in terms of what do you think their odds are of winning the cuz most things follow the 80-20 rule. I would say they're 80% to win the conference now.
3: You know, I I, I don't know because you don't want to I jinx think... it, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, okay, I think that that, that there is going to be some there is going to be an experience factor here. Because, you know, the MLS season is so much different than leagues in Europe and South America and other places that some of St. Louis City's, uh, you know, players have played before. And when, when they are playing, you know, because we talk about them playing in, you know, the heat, but then it, it, it get pretty darn cold towards the end of the season too. So I just, I think that if you look at a team like Real Salt Lake or, LAFC, I think they have more, more MLS experience, and I think that may matter in the long run. Um, you know, and also, you know, it, it, injuries could play a huge role in this. You know, if uh, if Lubin or Berkey is injured, uh, then I have serious doubts that, that he could win the conference. Um, I think they definitely go in as a strong favorite. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it 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 will definitely be. It'll be fun to watch. And yeah, just injuries can
1: shake it up for any team, of course. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. There are a couple as many scorers as St. Louis City has. Lewin, you know, fills a different role. And obviously, your goalkeeper is your goalkeeper. And they've got the best, or at least one yeah. of the very best ones. And we can argue about <laughs> that yeah. a, a little a little bit of a different time. I think there is some very good goalkeeping going on. Uh, near the tops of the leagues this year not as much near the middle or bottom I think there's a real a real gap it looks like the scoring is going up as the season goes on in major league soccer so I want to uh, finish off if I may uh, broaching this one other particular topic I will I will tell you that independent of while we don't have favorite teams here Uh, Soccer New Brock in America, except to root for the teams that our friends slash guests root for. We do have least favorite teams. The one thing that the management and I and I have taught my daughter well, that we will not abide in any way, shape or form is teams from cities that are built on swamps. No swamp city. It's bad urban planning, and we will carry no water for those people. Orlando, I've had my dad be a fake guest on, like he's a professor talking about you know sinkholes and how soon the whole darn place is going to go down. But our ire and vitriol for Swamp City teams is not fake. Do where where do you where do you do you have feelings along those lines?
3: You know I yes and no I will say that normally I would agree with you, but I am such a fan of Disney World that I will give them a little bit of uh, of a pass on uh, their their entire horrible existence as a city um, that, uh, that, that that because they do have the happiest place on earth nearby the mice men they, built they, they,
1: the mice men built it on a swamp Jonathan.
3: I know, but it's so much fun! Oh my gosh, I I love Disney, and and so <laughs> I, I I will give them that. But uh, you know, let I would just love for St. Louis to go down there and whoop them up all over the place. Um, and then you You can and then make it root for your
1: team and not risk incurring the wrath of the mouse more than likely but speak against disney or the city in general and you're in media and probably i think that this really boils down to you probably feel just like we do but there's the uh the old expression you know the entertainment business in in particular don't blank with the mouse
3: that's true Not Uh, blanking
1: with the mouse
3: I will say though that if if Orlando loses miserably and goes to drown their sorrows in Dole Whips um you know at uh, at the Magic Kingdom I I'd, I'd be all for it that would <laughs> be just fine
1: Fair enough well Jonathan thank you very much for your humor your insights and well for being willing to just even come up on our little humble show at all. It really is a lot of fun because, uh, you know, for those who are longer time listeners or just made it to this point in this show, we, you know, we really only give you an index card kind of preview for a lot of these matches and the team. So it really is fun to talk to people who, even if they have a laser focus like you for just like one American team to get that somewhat deeper and yet relatable dive. So thank you very
3: much for bringing that to us. My pleasure. And yes, we can be best friends.
1: Woo! I didn't have to ask (laughs) Bring forth The bonus matches The gong means that it's time To focus in on three very Special matchups The first one is a first versus last Place match that my daughter dramatically Calls the Route, route, route
0: Route of Of, of, of The week Week, week,
1: week. And it is a Tuesday match we are going to shine a spotlight on from the Uzbekistan Super League, which is the ninth-ranked league in all of the AFC. Their winner will get to go to the Champions League. Their second- and third-place finishers will also go to the Champions League, although they'll have to start in the qualifying rounds. On the other end of the table, equally relevant for our Route of the Week match, Two of the teams will get relegated. One will play what is called a relegation playoff match. They'll play a the uh, third-place team from the second division, and the survivor there will get to play in the top flight. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, th- so things are getting serious all the way around. Your matchup, number 14 in last place, Kizilkum versus number one, Pak And if you're thinking that I chose this particular first-versus-last-place match, just because Kizilkum is fun to read and say, you, not, you might be right. I'm not going to tell you. Ha. Huh. Uh, Pak Takor, they lead number two, Navbahor, by five points. Meanwhile, Kizilkum, they trail number 11. That's the lowest point of true safety, Metalorg, by five points. Uh, when they played earlier this season, Pak won three to one at their place. Uh, but the hosts, we'll talk about them first. Uh, Kizilkum translates directly to Red Sands. They actually play out of the city of. Uh, Zarafshan, which is in the center of the country, about 85,000 people, and is known almost exclusively for the gold mining that goes on there. Uh, Interesting U.S. connection. There's a company called Newmont based out of Denver that was the first post-Soviet era company from the U.S. to invest in Uzbekistan. But uh, by 2007, the country had expropriated all of their assets and taken over all the gold mining. Yikes. This is a team that made the top flight in 2000. 2002, they finished in third place in the league, and that's the best they've ever managed. Last year, they finished in fifth place, so this is quite a drop. And the problem is the total lack of offense. They're not even getting a goal every other match on average. Uh, They're tied for number eight on defense, so not a lot better. Uh, Certainly not good enough to move them out of having the worst goal differential. I don't expect this team to be able to climb anywhere. Uh, team scoring leader, what very little offense they're getting Comes at the feet of Islam Toshpulatov, a homegrown midfielder Team's current form, ah, we always look for a little bit of a, a glimmer of hope What could we fasten our hopes to that says maybe this team can get an upset Well, they just did get a result They drew number four, Nasaf, nil-nil That snapped a three-match losing streak and now, your perennial powers of Pakhtakor. They play out of the capital city of Tashkent and are known as the Cotton Growers because Pakhtakor means exactly that. They have won 15 league titles and are your four time defending champions. Uh, twice they've made the semifinals of the Champions League, although most recently was 19 years ago. They've been pretty well balanced this year. I think they're going to have a. Tough time, even given their league holding on to it. There will be a race here at the end. They've only got the fourth best defense, third best offense. They're tied for second on goal differential. I really think they're going to have to generate more offense than one and a half per game to really hold on or uh, build up any kind of uh, more serious lead. Number one scorer for them is their 35-year-old Croatian veteran, Dragan Sharon. Uh, he played for a couple of Division I Israeli teams in the early 2010s. That's about as far as he ever rose in his career. Team's current form, well, they just lost to Nassaf, but that was in the Super Cup, which is a glorified exhibition between uh, the previous year's league champions and FA Cup winners. Normally you kick off a season with that. I don't know why on earth they're playing it near the end of the season. I feel nearly as strongly about Super Cups as I feel about Oh, Tottenham Hotspur—they can all just get uh, washed down the drain, as far as I'm concerned. Now, before that loss in the Super Cup, they were two-one and zero with a three-and-one goal differential. Could you be the most meaningless, meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. could. You're so, so boring. <laughs> yeah. We've been using it so long, you could be singing along as we rip off Prince. And we are doubly unique what other podcast does that and is putting a spotlight on two teams smack dab some of the world in the middle of their top flight standings equidistant from both the glory of an international finish first, second, third place in the league or danger of getting relegated, finishing near the bottom. Your most meaningless match in the world this week is a Thursday match from the Premier League of the Faroe Islands of the North Atlantic. No, they are not quite an independent country. They are still attached to Denmark. For some reason they get FIFA membership just the same. We've learned not to question it's like it's like messing with Disney. You just don't mess with UEFA. Don't question it. They are the number 39 ranked UEFA League. Now, that doesn't sound like it's very good, and why would it be? It's a very small set of islands that are, you know, not quite even a country, but considering how small they are, that's really darn good. Nevertheless, they do only get the minimum that go to international play. One team to the Champions League, two to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of things, the 10th place team will be relegated, and the second-to-last one will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playoff match. This is one of Europe's winter leagues. Uh, Most of the bigger countries, I'm sure you know, have just been starting theirs up. These guys are two-thirds of the way through their season. Your matchup, number five, 07 Vestor versus number six, E.B. Straymore. All right, now Vester lead uh, E.B. Straymore by eleven points in the table. Yeah, they're both right next to each other ordinarily, but wow, let's take a closer look. Uh, Vester they trail number three B thirty six Torshon by sixteen points. Yeah, they're not catching a sniff of international play. Uh, E.B. Straymore they lead number nine <laughs> Fuga Fjordur. Yeah, that might be it. By seven points, Fugla, Fiordor, Yeah. All right, the series between these two, uh, Vester have had a slight advantage accruing a 5-0-3 record the last couple of seasons or so. When they played earlier this season, Vester smacked them on the road, nil 5 and then when they played them at their own place, they won 3-1. to This is a triple round robin league. Let's look at number O7 Investor. First, they were founded in 2007, a merger of a couple, three other clubs. Uh, That kind of disintegrated. They were refounded in 2004 when a couple of other ones merged once again. They play on the island of Vagar, which is the westmost of the large islands that are part of the country. There are 18 total islands. This is one of the big ones. Uh, they play in a couple different towns or officially represent them And that's not unusual when you see mergers like this uh, So I assume they play their matches in both places Sandavagor, which is a small town And then comparatively the village, of, the village of Sorvagur If it's famous for anything, it is that the only airport in the nation is here They get pretty close to 300,000 visitors per year And this is just about the only way that you are getting there Is through this airport This is a yo-yo team bouncing back and forth between the top flight and the second division. And yes, even a small country like this in Europe, the sport's so popular, they sure do have a second division and probably more. Five different times Vester have won the Division II title, most recently 2016. Last year, they finished in seventh place in the league. Uh, This year... They are who they are. Number five, offense, defense, goal differential. Here's how things shake out. This team is all by themselves in the table in every way. They are statistically far worse than all four of the teams that are above them, and yet much better than all of the teams below them. That's got to make for a weirdly boring year, knowing what the result's going to be more or less every time you take the field. Key player to look for. Tied for number five in league scoring with eight is Serbian veteran, thirty-four years old, Eros Stojanov. And then tied for ten in assists there from the Faroe Islands. He's got five. Is Magnus Holm Jakobsen. Uh, person new word to ever have a brother. I think Magnus is a t is a name that I would consider. Even though she's got a co- she's got a cousin named uh, uh, Maximilian. So maybe that would be too much. But hey, it's pretty cool. Now, Magnus, I'm actually not sure, is still with the team. I've seen conflicting things. He might have moved on to a Division II team over in Poland called uh, Krobry Glogal. Team's current form, no surprise here, in the most meaningless match. 1-1-1 one, one one, with a 4-4 four four goal differential over those three. All right, now E.B. Straymore. They were founded in 1993, but a merger of two clubs that had those exact names. Uh, they currently represent two different villages, Straymenes, and Oya. Uh, that's on one of the two Northern Islands. I think it's called or I forget the exact name of it. Uh, they have won two league titles, most recently, 2012. Their only European win in seven appearances was in their most recent one. Uh, they beat, and I forget what year it was, it's been a few. They beat an Andor inside to advance to the Champions League second qualifying rounds, probably about eight years ago. Last year, they finished in. Fifth place this year. They are the best of the worst in the league. Number six offense, defense, and goal differential. Team scoring leader sounds more like a duffer to me. Four goals for Bogey Peterson. Yeah, tell me that shouldn't have been one of the character names in Tin Cup. I challenge you. You can't do it with a straight face. Team's current form uh, a 2 3 loss to number one Kloksvick snapped a two match losing streak for them. And now we reach the true end of our podcast row, appropriately match number 13. Normally a battle, if you can even call it that, between two teams at the very bottom of their table. This would be the match of...
2: Disappointed!
1: But this time I must embrace and hold the Herculean score in there from Kevin Sorbo as my own. Rather than give you a match of disappointed this week, there were so many to choose from. I'm going to do something different and tell you about a match that I should have covered and that I didn't. There was a league match that was the final match weekend in Vietnam, and the league race was very much open, and I flat out missed it. I'm so sorry. We pride ourselves on looking in at the league races from all over the world, and I blew it. I blame person noob. She's not in the studio with the moment to defend herself, so I can get away with that. Uh, let me tell you how things turned out. There, a team called Kong and Hanoi drew against Tan Hoa one to one last Sunday. Um, Hanoi, the second place team, they beat Viettel three to two, but they needed them to win by. Uh, they needed to win by more. All Kong and Hanoi really needed was a draw to guarantee themselves the league win, and that is what happened. They ended up winning. Tied on points with Hanoi FC, but beat them by five on goal differential. Both teams are going to go on to international play. Uh, They will land in the group stage in one of the qualifying rounds of the 2024-25 AFC Champions League 2, which uh, heretofore has always been called the uh, AFC Cup, uh, basically the Asian equivalent of the Europa League. But now they're going to call it a Champions League, but throw a two on the end. Well, all right, as long as they don't say number. Maybe they should call Champions League number B. I wasn't going to say number you-know-what because I'll get the horn blown on me or whatever happens, and we certainly don't want that here, having made it all the way through the show without having made that mistake. So sorry about that. Trying to make amends, Hanoi, uh, Kong and Hanoi, rather. Congratulations on your title. Congratulations to both on making it to uh, their interne- their International Champions League. And so, while we normally say that instead of wishing the teams good luck, that we will shoo them away in our usual fashion, this time I am the one who deserves the heckling, and I bow my head in shame. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that'll put a pretty little bow on it. This has been Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Pearson Noob, episode number 150, August of 2023. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To my now middle schooler, oh tear running down the face, but it's okay, Pearson Noob. You've been a wonderful co-host. I hope that as your schedule gets busier, you'll still be able to help us and in uh, continuing to be more than just in pre-recorded form. I've loved doing this with you the last roughly three years. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations as always remain on fire. And to uh, my special once again guest, Jonathan All from St. Louis Public Radio, super fan of St. Louis City. Thanks so much for spending the time. It's been great to reconnect with you this way after several years off for both of us really uh, From tournament scrabble around the country Where we first met Yeah you heard right I could be scrabble Pro but I'm soccer noob I'm doing the podcast This way instead hey And thank you to you for finding us We appreciate you having tuned in If you liked it we hope that you'll pass this on to your Footy minded friends until we can do it Again in a few days have yourself a Fabulous footy week take care